Academia is hard, but no doubt about it. But there are things that are out of your control that can make your journey even harder. We've spoken on Boiling Point about first-generation academics, struggles of university, whether to do a PhD, and so much more. Today, let's look at another perspective. Welcome to Boiling Point. I'm your host today, Anastasia, and today we are sitting down with Professor, um, my apologies, Associate Professor Leanne Rollins to share our stories as women in STEM. Now, STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Maths. Women compromise only 28% of the STEM workforce, so that's industry work, and only 17% of academic STEM. Despite women compromising a good portion of these fields in undergrad. So where do these women go when it comes to undergrad, to the workforce, or to further their academic roles? Why are these numbers so low? How can we encourage people who identify as women to stay or pursue STEM careers? Are there any benefits to being a person who identifies as a woman in STEM? All these questions we hope to chip away today. Oh, Leanne, this is going to be one hell of a show. How excited are you? <laughs> I'm very excited. Thanks for having me today. Oh, you're very welcome. Let's start with, can you tell me your journey? Sure. As a woman in STEM. So my journey is a bit unusual to mm -hmm. most people's. Um, I finished my undergraduate degree in uh, biology, and then I left science completely, mm -hmm. and I spent 13 years doing other things that had nothing to do with my education. Did you work in industry? I did. I worked in um, marketing jobs and mm. um, all kinds of very different fields. Yeah. Um, and then one day I was going on the lift up to my office and I thought, this is not the way my life was meant to be. <laughs> I really want to do science again. And so I quit my job mm -hmm. and I went back and I got a master's degree and then um, I got a PhD, and in the middle of all that, I had two small children come. <laughs> ah, so, so during your PhD? Well, they were one in three when I started my PhD. Yeah. Um, so I, it was a bit of a different situation to a lot of my female colleagues. Mm -hmm. um, I was older, and, and I had these different sort of um, responsibilities that most of my colleagues didn't have. Yeah. Um, so I had a lot of catching up to do um, when I finally finished my PhD mm -hmm. and and I felt like I couldn't um, that I had to make this work because I wasn't go going to change my field again yeah so I think I had like that different sort of level of pressure on me to like figure out a way to, to make a career work but it was hard but I imagine that there was a lot of pressure for you to do that um, when you have children because a PhD isn't a well-salaried position. It is very much, um, you know, it's it's for you. It's to further yourself, but not necessarily it comes with like a salary. It, it, it's, yeah, sure, sure, further on you can get a good salary and everything. But those first few years, they're a struggle. And you had two things against you, right? You were a, an older student because you started later, as well as during the time, especially when you did it, there wasn't as many women mentors during your time. Mm. How did that feel? 
Um, yeah, I guess being naive has its benefits. <laughs> um, I think if I had known all the things that I would encounter, it would have made it harder for me. And maybe it would have changed my decision to mm. do it. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of just was enthusiastic and thought, yes, I can do this thing. Yeah. Um, and I had a, I have a partner who is all the way been very supportive and mm-hmm. I could never have done that with small children without that. So yeah. that was like a huge benefit to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, do you think it would have been possible to do it without a partner and with no kids? So, so let's eliminate that, that part. Do you think it still would have been able to do it with no kids, no yeah, partner? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, having the kids it was the thing that needed the partner. <laughs> yeah. oh. What? You're saying a sex biologist that you need sex to have children? Uh, it's oh, remarkable, but goodness. true. <laughs> I hope Leanne's children are not listening to this. <laughs> Your parents are virgins. <laughs> okay. So when you did go through those, um, through your PhD, um, how about during the PhD? Were there any benefits to being, you know, one of few women who were in academia? I mean, there were a lot of other female PhD students, mm-hmm. as there still are. I mean, mm-hmm. as we've discussed previously, the, the leak in the pipeline happens after PhDs normally. Yes. That's where the women start dropping off. Well, um, even through undergrad, right? So in, in undergrad, it seems to be very, very close to 50-50 male-female. Uh, in academia, Nowadays, certainly, it seems to be almost 50-50 male-female. And then when it comes to academic careers, very much so, it, it drops. Yeah. It's like, you know, what did I say? It was 17%. But I don't actually think it was very different when I did my PhD. Really? Mm-hmm. And and honestly, I've talked to people who are older female mentors mm-hmm. um, in recent years about mm-hmm. how things have changed. And the the terrible thing is that a lot of things haven't changed. Um, I think, you know, there have always been a reasonable number of female PhD students, at least for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the challenge comes later. So so what do you think is the challenge? Well, I don't know. I think it can be a multitude of things. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've, at, one t- at times in my life, I've wondered if Maybe women just make better choices and decide that it's not worth it and leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that happens to some people. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I think often it's not a choice. I think it happens because a lot of early career females don't get the support that their male colleagues get. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's usually quite um, subtle. So it's not... Um, necessarily intentional by their male colleagues mm-hmm. um or or their superiors or even their family members and friends that's right? true that's also true yeah. um but a lot of really subtle messages get sent out to people about who's good enough to compete mm-hmm. on particular playing grounds and uh yeah i think it's um it's a cultural and and difficult thing to dissect mm-hmm. um but we clearly need to do a better job of mentoring young females. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How would you approach mentoring, you know, females in academia and their PhD to kind of help them pursue academia? Because, I mean, let's face it, academia, regardless of gender, regardless of anything, right, your your orientation, anything like that, it is hard. Yeah. Right. It is. It is very hard. Why is it 
you know, it's 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 harder, I think, for for people who identify as females or people part of the LGBTQ uh, community or even people of color, right? But that's, in you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's because it's already been dominated by so many cis white men, and it's kind of like, you know, it's. You want to pursue what you think is comfortable, right? And that's comfortable for them. And the the whole system throughout this whole time has been made by them for them, right? Yeah. And that's why I think it's more difficult for, for other people who are not, you know, cis white men to then try and step their foot into academia. So academia is hard. Academia is harder if you are of a, a you know a, a group that is at a detriment to trying to get into academia. But how would you mentor people who are who identify as women or people part of the LGBTQ or people who are of color into still kind of like I guess my question is like first why would you tell them to still continue academia? And second of all, how would you tell them to pursue academia? So, look, um, I think it's wrong to try to convince anyone to stay in academia mm-hmm. because it is really hard. And if people don't really want to do it, um, it's probably not worth it. That's just the long and short of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do want to stay in, I truly believe that the people that remain in academia are the ones that just refuse to leave Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're stubborn and they're flexible mm-hmm. and they just keep pushing until they get to a point where they can be stable. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of how to mentor people who are not um, alpha males, for want <laughs> of a better term, because you're right, the system has been built for them. Yeah. Um, and the qualities of those sorts of people are what are rewarded in academia. So mm. self-confidence, being outspoken. Um, and the people who are doing the rewarding are... Are those people. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I guess, you know, there's two different ways that one could approach that problem. Mm-hmm. One is to become like them, mm-hmm. or the other is to change the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first one's easier than the second one. Yeah. So... In some cases, um, it might benefit a female or anyone else who's not, um, you know, from a privileged group. Mm. It might benefit them to emulate those behaviors that that established people display in order to get ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, I think that there are also ways to, to change the system. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing I notice is a, is a female and a male-dominated workplace Mm -hmm. is that men tend to um, bond together and form alliances that often women don't do that kind of behavior. And I think actually making alliances of your own is a great way to build your career Mm -hmm. possibilities. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of collaboration in academia, right? There is. And and there's also, I mean, I guess the thing that's really important is that many opportunities are not just publicly available. You know, they're things that you hear about through some network or opportunities get put in front of you by someone who knows you. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the motivation behind that behavior is something that we could discuss. But in the end of the day, that's just true. And yeah. so as a female, you know, I think it's, a, 
it's especially important to build a network with people who will think of you and put you in front of those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And and I just want to say that, like, I mean, I've my success has been greatly built upon networks like that. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that people in those networks are not all females, you know, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. So there've been really strong male supporters in Mm -hmm. my life that have, have given me opportunities, um, as well as some very strong females who have been great, great, great role models. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I think that's really key. You can't just like be a, alone out there trying to fight that battle. Exactly. Yeah. It's not a girls versus boys club, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, everybody needs to pick up everybody, right? Oh, I completely agree. You know, we're not here to kind of say that, um, you know, either gender is better or, or anything, you know, silly like that. It's that how do we get women to pursue academia, to make it more accessible to them, uh, people who identify as women as well as LGBTQ people communities and and people of color. You know, how do we make it more accessible to them? How do we also make it even more appealing? Because sometimes, you know, I'm a PhD student and sometimes from the outside, it kind of looks like, it looks bleak. You know, just to be blunt, it looks bleak. Um, It looks difficult. Uh, It looks like, I will have to do extra work that my male colleagues will not have to do. So, I guess do you feel like that? Well, I mean, I I guess it's, I I think there are disadvantages across the board. I mean, I think there are a lot of different, like, issues that people Mm -hmm. get disadvantaged by. Mm -hmm. And uh, and these are people of all types. Yeah. Um, And I guess really the thing that makes a person successful is figuring out what your strength is Mm -hmm. and and really playing to that strength. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think everyone can do that because we all have qualities that are useful. And, you know, getting that sort of like advertised is the trick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we have, you know, some people who identify as women listening to our podcast right now, what sort of advice would you give them if they were to pursue, you know, not just academia, but industry work as well, that is also a male dominated field? Yeah, I mean, we were talking before the show about the importance of like calling out things that are not correct, and Mm -hmm. and that it's hard. Um, But I think it's really important for everyone to to actually be honest and, and open their mouth. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that the more senior you become, the, the greater the responsibility you have to open your mouth and yeah. say, this is not right, we should fix this. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is male and, and female, all right? People. All people. Yeah, Because, exactly. I mean, it's really clear that this problem doesn't get solved if only women say fix it. I mean, yeah. some of the most important... Com- um, moments in, in in correcting these problems have come from men saying we don't want this anymore you know mm-hmm. we want yeah. we want a system that's equitable mm-hmm. um, and there are a lot of good people out there saying those things definitely um, so it does have to be like everyone going no that's not the way we want to be mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, I guess getting a support structure in your professional life is is probably the most significant thing you can do would that be yeah female mentors or yeah i think not one but many Mm -hmm. mentors Mm -hmm. um talking to people from different perspectives who are willing to give their time to you and Mm -hmm. it's i have always been amazed at how 
giving people really are. If you come to them and say, will you read this for me? Or mm -hmm. would you talk to me about this problem I'm having, you know, that I can't resolve? Mm -hmm. I, I think people are usually really great about that. And if yeah. they're not great, they're not the people you want to be with. Uh, I 100% I agree. That's something that I actually, during my teaching is teach undergrads and I, and they go, Oh, I'd really want to work with the with this professor. What do you think I should do? And I go, just email them. Mm. And they go, what? I should just email them? And I'm like, yeah. Like professors get so excited when they meet students who want to know more about their research. Really true. Yeah. And so, and I think there's, there, there is, you know, I've been that undergrad who's intimidated by professors or who's intimidated by people in the industry or, you know, people who are higher up than you. But they, I have never met a person who is not willing to help me. And I realized this, uh, unfortunately, a little bit later in my life that everyone's willing to help as long as you ask. It's asking that is important. And that's the initiative I should take. And very few people, I think, take that initiative. And I think that's also biased. So I think, yeah. you know, um, young, privileged males are often the ones that are first in line to ask. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you can't blame them for that. It's no. just that everyone else needs to be encouraged to do this, do that kind of, you know, advocacy for themselves. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, I think it's maybe a subconscious cultural thing that that comes along with that Absolutely. you know women are told to be more submissive and males are taught to be more dominant right and maybe that's why males are more comfortable standing up for themselves and females or people who identify as female feel like they need to tiptoe more so you know so as to be more empathetic mm -hmm. and, and not step on anybody's toes and not hurt anybody's feelings. A hundred percent. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I've heard male colleagues say to other female colleagues, you should smile more. And I've no. never seen them say that to a male. No. Are you serious? <laughs> it's true. Oh my God. But it's this I cultural hope this was expectation. Like two decades ago. Mm, I wish. And not yesterday. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Please don't tell women to smile more or tell women anything. It's not your job. It's not your role. They are their own person. Everybody's their own person. Don't tell other people how to act. Because I, I just think like, put yourself in, in that position. Would you want to be told anything? No. Right? I, I guess, yeah. I mean, so here's the thing, right? We're talking about like encouraging people to be bolder and things like that. But that's really not the solution. I think mm. the, the real solution is to change the mindset about what we need right. uh, collectively in work environments. Mm -hmm. And that's diversity. We need people that are different and, mm -hmm. and attack problems from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and maybe not being outspoken bold is a thing that's, that's positive that mm -hmm. should be nurtured instead of um, not rewarded. Mm -hmm. So, I want to ask a more controversial question that I'm sure is on some people's minds and, and it comes out in, in a lot of these sorts of topics. Um, would uh, giving an advantage to women give a disadvantage to men? Yeah, it would. Um, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Mm. Um, so that scares a lot of people. It does. Yeah. But, um, you know... 
I, I think there's pretty good research out there showing that what we've been doing for the last 40 years has mm-hmm. not really solved the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we need to look at this a bit differently than we have been. Um, and, you know, females have been disadvantaged for a long, long time, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe forever in some societies. Yeah. Um, Still, you know, even now. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it's time to fix the problem. And I... I think affirmative action in that way is like, it's a thing that should be discussed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of places like our university included um, have targets to correct gender bias, Mm -hmm. which is a great thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's really great that there are plans in place to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. But really, if you want to fix the problem, you just fix the problem. (laughs) You know, you hire 50% females and 50% males, and that's the end of it. Um, Yeah. So, and, you know, people might say, well, it should go to the person who's most qualified, but I just don't believe that you can't find qualified women and men alike for all jobs. Well, I think it's also the amount of women that would apply over men, right? I I am sure, Uh, but I, I don't know right? Because I don't hire in academia. But I'm sure more men would apply than women. And therefore, you have more qualified candidates of men than you do of women. I'd say equally qualified. But I would say in terms of numbers, you would have more people who identify as male versus people who identify as female. And that number, because it's so outweighed, that's why in the end, you will interview, you know, three to one women sort of thing, like three men to one woman, right? Just in terms of numbers. Right. But this is just self-perpetuating. You know, Mm -hmm. if you Mm -hmm. want it fixed, you just fix it. Okay. But um, how can we go about fixing it? How how can we, you know, how can we do that? You can have gender policies in your organization Mm -hmm. where you make Mm -hmm. sure that you are providing opportunity equally. And and some people may not like that, but, you know... yeah. I think there's a lot of people who haven't liked the way things have been. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, like you mentioned, having the policies there is tackling it from the system, right? From within the system out and actually having almost like quotas, right? Um, well, I mean, there have been academic jobs recently mm-hmm. over the last few years I've seen in in the papers that have been roles where they have only said, we'll take female applicants. Mm. So no, no males can apply for this job. Really? In departments that are very heavily biased, male biased. Okay. Um, but so would there be any, I, I'm just, I'm just trying to put myself in, in the shoes of a woman that applies to that application. And then she's the one female amongst all these males. That would be very intimidating for me. It would be intimidating, but mm. if that's the career that you've chosen, mm. you'd probably be pretty happy to be in that job. That's that is true. That is that is very true. Um, but would you think that women would, or the you know this hypothetical woman in particular, would have to work more than the men to prove herself? And and I want to make sure I'm using air quotations here when I say prove herself. Because I feel like that's what some women feel like they have to do. I think it would be a really hard position to be in. Mm -hmm. I I definitely agree with you. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but it's also a powerful position in the sense that you have the opportunity to like see change actually happen. Yeah. You can and be the change. You can drive it. Yeah. Um, and having no one on the inside is much worse than having that one person. Um, oh, no so doubt true. that that woman would have moments mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we'd talk about on radio shows like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, now let's talk about, did you get ever any advantages, um, you know, any sort of uh, catalysts for being a, uh, a person who identifies as a woman throughout your career? And do you mind sharing those? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely opportunities that are female specific and mm-hmm. in, in STEM, it's it's become much better that way. There's there, there are opportunities, grants and and so on mm-hmm. um, that you can take advantage of. And I, I have taken advantage of some of those like situations where they are specifically looking for a female or in situations where there were not many females. And Mm. um, yeah, so I I do think that there are opportunities out there for people who have their eyes open. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that I can point to any specific situation where I said being a female is the thing that made the difference here. Yeah. but, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, even then, right, if you apply, uh, and, and, and I'm speaking all for myself here, if you if I apply for um, a grant, say, that was women-specific, if I get the grant, in the back of my mind, I have this imposter saying, well, you only got this because you were a woman. If you were against a man, or, or, you know, if you were against another person, you probably wouldn't get this. Yeah, but do you think the alpha males who are out there winning ARC grants are saying, well, I only got this because I was a man? Not even once. No. I, exactly. So why is it, I mean, like, I, so how do you stop that feeling? Do, do you still get that feeling, would you say? Mm, I think being a bit older helps. Mm. <laughs> I I care less about things like that. I think with, oh, okay. with increasing age. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, look, um, everybody, um, actually, that's not true. Not everybody has had an imposter syndrome because there are some people that wouldn't even understand what that meant. Um, but many that's people true. have that. And I just think that um, you just use evidence to... to talk to yourself about it because you mm-hmm. see that you get in situations and you succeed and you're able to do things and then it makes you believe more mm-hmm. that you can. All right. Well, unfortunately we are reaching the end of our show. Um, and I'm just trying to get the song up. I'm so sorry. For some reason, my <laughs> Spotify doesn't feel like working. You today. might need to sing it. Yeah, it's it's true. Yeah, it's uh, it's just like you know what today's topic was a little bit too tough, and uh, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> Maybe, um, but the song that you brought in today is "I Am Woman" by Emmy Melly. Right? It's a, it's a really beautiful song, and I think it's perfect for today's um, today's show. And um, do you have anything else to add for this song? Nope. No. Thanks for yeah. having me. Oh, thank you so much, Leanne. <laughs> we really appreciate having you on the show. We'll have all information on our blog post. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and everything else. Uh, and I hope you enjoy our last song. Hey, 
Shit about you, long as you know that it's false. I am earthly. 